Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 247th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the MSP studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. Welcome back, Kyle. Thank you, Cameron. Uh, it's good to be back. We took a little bit of a, Just turn that a, little bit. a short hiatus last there week. How's that? How's that? Beautiful. Uh, a short break, and it's good to be back. Yeah, Kyle decided to go on vacation on us. We don't take many breaks. It felt weird it to like not record last week. Yeah. Feels like it's been a really long time. Yeah. That's how really... how long has it felt like? Oh, I don't know. Maybe like three weeks instead of two or something. Okay, that sounds about right. Uh, you went to Florida? I did. You were in the same city as uh, Coach Drinkwitz and the rest of the SEC meetings. Yeah, I think I... Uh... Yeah, I was in Destin, Florida for the week, and I think I was had a couple of days of crossover mm. with the SEC meeting, so... That was you that so asked him about gambling. So you went then? Yeah, I, I didn't go. I didn't know where they were, <laughs> but I should have gone and asked a better question <laughs> than yeah. Coach Drink got. Well, yeah, we'll get to that for we'll sure. Uh, what was your favorite part of vacation? Oh, uh, not working and eating a lot of food, going to the beach. Seafood? Mm-hmm perfect yeah it's a great time um okay so what all are we going to talk about this week we're going to talk about coach drinkwitz and all the uh it's not media days it's just sec meetings correct okay yeah media days is in july yeah uh so there's a whole thing with him getting asked questions and his response and then it blew up on twitter so we'll talk about that we're gonna talk about kobe brown and uh sec football scheduling news so before we get to all that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review wherever you listen to us, and you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Uh, so I thought we'd start out with uh, the news of Kobe Brown staying in the NBA draft. He uh, wrote a thank you letter to Mizzou, uh, published in the Columbia Daily Tribune. Uh, just a nice little heartfelt message to Mizzou fans and to Columbia, expressing his thanks and and all that sort of thing. And yeah, was expected by everybody at this point, but it's official. It's time to move on without Kobe Brown, not taking his extra season. And uh, I feel like the response has been just, it's just kind of bittersweet. It's like, yeah, happy for him to move on to the NBA, but... Would have been nice to have him back one more year. Yeah, yeah, I think we we've talked about it quite a bit this off season, but uh, it you know, this his decision made a lot of sense, and you know he had a really efficient year. He you know shot nearly forty percent from three. Um, he was on a, a he elevated the team. They were better than they were supposed to be. Uh, by far the best year of his career. Um, I just don't think his stock is ever going to be higher than it is right now, right now. And if he comes back another year, he risks a lot of money. I think just an injury or just not being efficient, um, or whatever. So, um, I think this was the best decision for him for sure. Um, it is sad that, you know, he's not going to be in a Mizzou uniform anymore, but I still think that this, you know, having him go to the NBA and, you know, potentially having a good career is still a really good thing for them for the Missouri brand. Yeah, he's considered a likely second round pick. And uh, he said in his uh, what he wrote 
for uh, Columbia Daily Tribune. He said that he opens it by saying, truthfully, I knew where my heart was leaning, but didn't ultimately make up my de- make my decision until the last few days. So he just goes on to, I recommend everybody read it, but he just explains how, you know, playing in the NBA has been his dream since he was a child. So that all makes sense. And he specifically shouted out, quote, the guy at High V who works in the poultry section in Columbia. Wow. They have a whole section just for poultry. Oh, yeah. You got to get those meats, man. I guess. Good stuff. Um, and he talked about uh, bringing the roar back to Mizzou Arena. And mm-hmm. I really do feel like that will be his legacy, assuming things go sort of how we think they'll go with Dennis Gates. Yeah. Kind of um, kicked and, off the Dennis Gates era. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was, it's really, it was so easy to love Kobe Brown just because of the the great guy he that he is, but also just the things that he kind of stuck with Mizzou through and um, through some tough times uh, was here for, you know, a full four year career, which we just don't see that much anymore um, and then, yeah, kind of capped it off with a fantastic individual performance and um, by far the best team that he's played on at Mizzou. So, yeah, it, yeah he just kind of went out on top. It just really kind of was a storybook ending in some ways for him to to leave now and pursue his dream. Yeah, and um, with them, you know, highest finish ever in SEC regular season, uh, winning a NCAA tournament game for the first time in forever. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff will be remembered and uh, I, I was looking through some of the like mock drafts and stuff, and I found this write-up that was talking about Kobe Brown, the NBA draft prospect, and it was uh, mentioning some of his a- accomplishments. And one that stood out to me was they mentioned his uh, 20.23 rebound game against Paul Quinn from not this past season but the year before. 20 points, 23 rebounds. I honestly didn't remember that he had that many rebounds. It sounds familiar. Um, it's ridiculous that we needed that kind of heroic performance from him to beat Paul Quinn, but like I legitimately think that we did, if my memory serves, that last year of the Conzo era. Yeah, the uh, according to this write-up, uh, his 2020 performance was the ninth all-time by a Mizzou player and first since... Curtis Berry in guess what year? Literally no idea. How about 1981? <gasps> 1980. So if you know who, if you remember Curtis Berry, let us know. <laughs> and uh, okay, here's another one for you. Brown's 23 rebounds against Paul Quinn was the most by a Tiger since Gene Jones's 26 against Rutgers. Guess what year? 1977. 1966. So, wow, 23 rebounds. Elite company there. A Paul Quinn game. I mean, does it like legitimately count against a Paul Quinn level opponent? It it goes. It's in in the record books. It goes in the Mizzou record books. Okay, I guess. Yeah. Uh, officially, it's not recognized by KenPom.com, but mizzou i recognize which it. that's important to some of us true missouri sports podcast recognizes it as official it's canon um yeah anything else to say about kobe wish him the best uh yeah. hopefully I, i'm predicting like 40th to 45th maybe yeah yeah kind of mid mid second rounder has the potential to be 
uh, high second round, maybe, um, if, if he gets a little lucky. And you mentioned his draft stock being the highest it probably ever could be. And I think that's true. If he making the decision to come back to Mizzou, it looks like that was never going to be like, oh, let me come back for one more year and set myself up for a better right. draft situation next year. Yeah, especially considering he's a pretty old for a, yeah. a prospect in NBA terms. Yeah. Coming back for another year at Mizzou was effectively, it seems like he's looking at it this way and it makes sense that he would be thinking of it as shutting the door to the NBA pretty much altogether. Very possibly. Not that you still can't be pro somewhere else, but if you got the opportunity, might as well go for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely one of my favorite uh, Missouri Tigers of the last 10, 15 years. And I think we will always look back really fondly on, on Kobe Brown and his time at Missouri. Uh, last year's game against Alabama, or not two years ago, same season as Paul Quinn game, game against Alabama. Am I thinking of that right? Going too far back. I think he, that's maybe, that was two seasons ago, maybe. Yeah, he had 30 points against a really good Alabama team. Um, and then, yeah, just especially this past year, just uh, hitting the three-pointers. I was watching some highlights earlier and just hitting huge shots in big moments, carrying the team when they needed it. Remember in the uh, – one more thing. Remember in the NCAA tournament, like um, the lead-up to the game against Utah State or whoever we played mm-hmm. – um, and they were talking about like, oh yeah, Kobe Brown, like um, he's uh, he's kind of comparable to such and such guy in our conference. Like we're not worried about him. Oh yeah. And then the, he just destroys them. Like yes. does exactly what we thought he was going to do. That was so satisfying. He just it, it just was the elite player that he is. Just the dominant physical presence that we had seen him be. Yeah, that was such a fun game. Um. Okay. So good luck, to Kobe. We'll miss you. Wish you the best. So now, <clears throat> the real heavy-hitting story this week is Eli Drinkwitz was making a name for himself on Twitter and across uh, SEC media landscape. So uh, it all started with a tweet that surfaced reporting on the SEC spring meetings that, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if I'm going to get the quote exactly right, but the tweet was basically, it was just talking about Coach Drinkwitz mentioning that some of these players are making more than my brother-in-law who is a pediatrician and And saves lives and saves lives yes and that which was a small part of his answer in total yeah but but how we were presented with this information was just this tweet saying this was what eli drinkwitz said about nil Mm mm-hmm and so people uh, thought that was pretty ridiculous thing to be comparing and... And just immediately hit the national media too, by yeah. the way. Like some of the first tweets I saw about it were not from like local beat writers. It was, they were from like national guys. Yeah. So, so it uh, got, got out there quickly. Yes. Got out of control real fast and people immediately bringing up, uh, okay, this guy's making $6 million a year and he's worried about the kids making money and comparing that to his doctor brother-in-law not a good look i agree then that's not a good look so then uh it comes out the 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 full context of his answer surfaces and it makes quite a bit more sense and obviously as mizzou fans we know that he's been like spearheading initiatives with nil 
since day one, basically. Right. He's been like literally at the state capitol lobbying for further, like more progressive NIL bills for the state of Missouri. Right. And understands that it's like a unique recruiting tool for us to land players like Luther Burden that we wouldn't have had a shot with otherwise. So, yeah, exactly. So any idea of him like thinking the NIL is a bad idea or like saying that it needs to be walked back or any sort of assumption that you might make off of that headline doesn't really make sense with what how we know he's operated as the head coach so it makes sense that the full context of the um answer comes out and it's just pretty straightforward he's talking about you know making sure that the student athletes financially are in a position to not squander all this money and uh, be in a bad spot down the road. And he was alluding to the fact that this needs to be taken into account. And is anybody even thinking about this? Who knows? At least he's thinking about it, it seems like. Right. And there's bad people out there that are influencing the situation to make a, you know, their piece of the pie and that kind of exactly. stuff. Yeah. It's exactly. just, it's basically alluding to the whole thing is out of control, which we've right. known. Yeah. Not, not a rare opinion and fairly reasonable. Um, it, however, it, it is funny though, that, uh, uh, he, Drinkwitz put the full, uh, context of everything out there in a screenshot of a fan account tweet, pack the zoo could have got a retweet, but no, just a screenshot coach drink. Come on. You got to help us help everybody out there. Um, so then, Shout out, Britt. yeah, uh, w- you got to help these uh, fan accounts out and not just screenshot them. Um, you know, you know, Coach Drinkwitz was just like panicking, like in oh, a yeah. like in a room by himself somewhere. Like, I got to find the full context. He just sees that like, oh, yeah, I'm using this. The whole thing is just like, is there not like a social media person, a communications person who's like, just... I'm pretty sure there is, but they're not utilizing that person. Coach Maybe. Drink specifically does not seem inclined to utilize someone like that. No, I don't think so. You uh, shared the question, though. Is that something you want to go into? Yeah, so it is interesting. After after all this comes out, then eventually we see the question that was asked of him. Which that, is funny. The last thing that we see is yeah. like what the actual question was. We that see, elicits uh, this response. Yes. And the question is, quote, when you see issues with gambling arising... What is your approach with your team about that issue? Is there an element of surprise or is that inevitable? And then Coach Drinkwitz talks about NIL money and they're getting a lot of money other than trying to hand out advice and provide some parameters to it. You know, with this NIL situation, we've created our own problems in college sports. So we have this completely nonsensical question. Yeah. About gambling. Yeah. And they're very vague. Like, are you surprised? I'm yeah. surprised about what? I don't know and what the, they're even alluding to. The issues with gambling arising. Right. What so, exactly are we talking about? Don't really know what we're talking about there. So nonsensical question, but then also nonsensical answer. Just a pretty unnecessary dive into uh, just, NIL just this talk. Robotic, like knee jerk, like yeah. just goes right into this, you know, spiel that he's probably rattled off many times before exactly and like doesn't really answer the question exactly that was already bad though yes so it's like 
Yeah, I just this all unraveled to us in such a weird way, almost a backwards. We saw a tiny little piece of the puzzle, then we saw a little bit more of the puzzle, and we we're like, oh, okay. And then we saw the question, and it's just like, what? What's, None of it adds up. What is this? Yeah, it all adds up to it's May when all of this was happening, and what else is anybody going to talk about? Right. And I did see that uh, maybe the worst bit of all of this was the like official SB Nation site, like the head site uh, posted, let me find it here, posted an article and the headline is Missouri football coach making $6 million blasts NIL, which is just a new, another level of taking it out of context. Yeah. It's like, I feel like I, there's so many things that are happening simultaneously, just this layered situation where it's like, why did you ask that question? Why did you answer it that way? And, but also what is this out of context reaction from these random media outlets where they clearly don't know anything about the situation. They don't know anything about Coach Drinkwitz yeah. and have this very like profound and divisive re- reaction to it. Well, everybody's getting the clicks that day. Yeah, uh, to their credit, uh, Rock M Nation, the SB Nation site for Mizzou, just disavowed that article and was like, we don't know what they're doing over there. That was not yeah. a good article. Well, we, then, we disavow it also. Yes, we do, of, of course. But then came the clarification uh, I think he was on with Paul Feinbaum. A lovely beach setting. I don't know if you saw that video. Just beautiful beach, Destin, Florida. It's just a gorgeous place. Uh, you would know. I would know. I wouldn't know, Kyle. It's wow, just white sandy beaches, just turquoise waters. Beautiful. Uh, he gives a, b- a little bit of a clarif- clarification. Do you Do you have that? I have script? it right in front of me. Uh, Drinkwitz is is clarifying his uh, his answer. He said he tried to give a thoughtful answer to a question about gambling in college football. Quote, I think yesterday was a little bit of a disingenuous approach to media. To be quite honest, I don't think my quote that made the rounds on media was taken in any type of context at all. I was referring to the fact that I love the fact that our players make NIL, and I think that's awesome. I've been one of the leaders on the forefront of that. I'm fighting for our players to have the ability to earn finances off their name, image, and likeness. And he went on to talk about uh, how much money. We're not talking about ten thousand or twelve thousand dollars a year. We're talking about six, seven figures, which is awesome. But with that much money comes a different set of responsibilities. That if we're not careful, we're going to look back in four or five years, and we're going to be just like the NFL and the NBA, where seventy-eight percent of those professional athletes, after five years, move from playing in the NFL and NBA and are bank- bankrupt. I guess like, if I just have to have a take uh, on that, which I do, is uh, just like, you got to stop talking, man. Like, yeah. just give you a little clarification, which is fine. But what are you talking about? Like, who cares how much money the players are making? And it's like, are adults making better financial decisions? And like, you just then answer my question when you're talking about... Uh, NFL players, NBA players going bankrupt. So what difference does it make? Uh, I just don't know. I don't know what he was going into there, but he probably yeah. needs somebody to run these lines with him a little Seriously. bit. Seriously. I mean, it's really all of it is very nothing. The whole thing is nothing. Yeah. But you just can't give people this kind of ammunition. 
right to just kind of look even if it's just a silly look even if it's just a not very well thought out take it's just so unnecessary yeah luckily uh everybody will forget about this very soon mm -hmm. but man i wish you would just learn a little bit from these experiences right be like oh i keep having to clarify my yeah, statements like a little bit of a lightning rod but like for good reason yeah like people at this point just know he's a little bit of a of a quote machine and are a little bit hyper aware to breaking down like They're everything quote he mining says. him yeah quote mining <laughs> uh but yeah i mean if i'm trying to like get super deep into his thought process here it's it is it comes across like he if anything, it does make him look like he's begrudgingly pursuing yeah. NIL stuff on behalf of the players, but like in the back of his mind, he's not really down for the whole thing. Yeah, it's like he just completely contradicts himself. Yeah. Like his first part of his answer was true and valuable piece of information. The legislation, yeah, the lobbying. He's yeah. he's been on the forefront and then also like, yeah, I don't know, like about six or seven figures though. Yeah. And it's causing a lot of uh, we're causing a lot of our own problems. Like, okay. Okay, which one is it? Either it, just let it be a good thing and don't worry about it. Anyway, that's probably all the time we need to spend on that. And uh, the good news is Coach Drinkwitz did have some positive publicity, uh, this time regarding the ongoing negotiations about the SEC football schedule moving forward. And I found this article from TuscaloosaNews.com. Uh, USA Today writer Blake Topmeyer. This is a, a fantastic headline. Nick Saban shrinks into shadows on SEC schedule as new voice of reason emerges. Folks, that voice of reason is your very own Eli Drinkwitz. It's uh, got to be the first time he's ever been called that. Recovering from the storm about nil to just he's back shoot straight i uh, tell the people what they want to hear about scheduling missouri football's back eli drinkwitz uh says a nine game conference schedule will allow for the preservation of more rivalries after the sec gets rid of divisions he says sec games and rivalries fuel fan interest and he says a ninth conference game would pull the sec equal to the big 10 big 12 and pac 12 those leagues have played nine conference games for years. Yeah, so um, I did a little bit of a deep dive on everything that's been going on with this scheduling conversation, and it's been uh, a little bit of a clown show, if I'm going to be completely <laughs> honest. Uh, but the SEC, obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are going to be a part of the conference in 24, 25, one of those years uh, 24, soon. Yeah, And so they kind of have to scrap their entire scheduling format and so currently uh we're, we're playing an eight game sec schedule where there's obviously two divisions and you play everyone in your division and then you play two like cross division games every year so we've kind of created this very slow carousel of uh, a rotation that takes literal decades to like unravel mm -hmm. and uh, like for example Missouri played at Auburn um, this past year. Uh, that was the first time that had ever happened in like since Missouri had joined the SEC. Uh, another example of that is Georgia has literally never traveled to Texas A&M in the whole time they've been in the SEC. So we have this very slow-moving rotation, um, and that's kind of 
that eight game format, that's kind of what it does. It, it kind of limits um, how many teams you can play, like the frequency. So what they're looking at is is that eight game format, which would still in the future eliminate divisions. Divisions will not be a thing regardless. But they're also considering a nine game SEC schedule, which in that case, every team would have three permanent rivals and then six rotating op- opponents. So, um, and like you said, all other Power Five conferences play a nine game schedule in their conference. Uh, and the SEC, with their eight game schedule, kind of likes to play some cupcakes at the end of the year to kind of pad the schedule and, and get into the playoff. Um, and there are a handful of non conference rivalries like uh, sure. Georgia, Georgia Tech, yeah. you know, Florida, Florida State. Mm hmm. Um, but the, and I think you guys have probably heard or seen on Twitter about the three permanent rivals. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people have talked about Missouri getting, you know, Arkansas, maybe Vanderbilt or an Oklahoma or something like that, which honestly sounds pretty favorable. And so I think that's honestly like the entire reason that the nine game schedule is kind of being held up is because some teams probably will end up getting screwed a little bit there on the three permanent rivals because, you know, Alabama is going to probably get stuck with LSU, Auburn, A&M, or Tennessee, or something mm-hmm. like that. And so there, there's really no way to like make it perfectly even, at least on brand perception of like how good the teams are going to be. So um, there's just uh, there's just a lot going on with that. And they were supposed to vote on it this week at their meetings, and it doesn't sound like that is going to happen at this point. Just keeps getting hung up and pushed back. Right. So what was decided, according to uh, Pat Forty on Twitter, he said uh, for the 2024 season, so not this upcoming football season, but the one after that, eight, we will have eight conference games plus one required opponent from another major conference or an independent. And that will eliminate the divisions at that point. So not this coming football season, but the following one. And the conference is working toward a long-term conference scheduling strategy. Yeah, so they're going to announce those opponents on June 14th, I think mm-hmm. is the date. So here in a couple of weeks, we'll find out who Missouri is going to play in that 24 season. We won't know dates or anything yet or what order it'll be in, but that'll be a little bit of an interesting schedule reveal. We'll probably end up playing Alabama twice or something like that. <laughs> yeah, once in the championship game. Yeah, exactly. Uh they, they also said, our long-term options are fully open for 2025 and beyond. We will have ongoing dialogue around eight or nine game schedules. So it feels like, it reads to me like they just kind of kicked it down the road a little bit. Like, yeah. okay, we got 2024 figured out. We gave them something. Now we can work harder at figuring out the future plans. I guess. What's I mean, what's your reaction to the getting rid of divisions? Is that a little scary to you? I don't know. I feel like we've been tossing around options like this for a while now, like with the pod system. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the same as three permanent rivals, basically. Kind of. Um, and I don't know. I I can't bring myself to really care too much, honestly, about any of the issues that have come about. I think the the reasons for having a nine conference, nine game conference season, those all of those reasons make sense to me. Um, the point about, I feel like I just kind of got used to not playing everybody very often. 
and I don't know. Just kind of make those games fun whenever you play an LSU or somebody that you don't play as often. Yeah, I feel like it makes some of those away games like stick out in my mind a little bit more. Yeah, like definitely. I remember an away game against Ole Miss in 2013. Yeah, for some reason that because we probably haven't gone back there yeah. since then. So just a unique thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've said hundreds of times on this podcast uh, i've talked about my experience going to baton rouge but mm-hmm. that literally is the only time that's happened in yeah. the whole time we've been in the sec i don't know when the next time we would do that either it's just and i feel like i remember conversation about that phenomenon like when conference realignment was happening it was like oh i i remember sort of like sec media pointing out the fact that uh with this schedule rotation we're not going to play this team for x number of years yeah and i was just kind of at the time thinking like oh, i don't know any different like i don't know these sec teams that well it's it's just going to be how it is so i guess i just kind of got used to that aspect of it if there was a good option like i guess you can't have everything there you can't with that many teams you just can't play everybody very often right and i don't know i'm in favor of nine games i'd rather i've I'm not that interested in playing Arkansas every year, to be honest. I don't need that in my life as like a protected rivalry. If we just rotated in another SEC team that we didn't play as often, that would be fine with that. So that's blasphemy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the argument for the eight-game schedule is, uh, you know, so, like I said, some teams are going to get screwed. Yeah. And that's Nick Saban's take on this <laughs> is what it seems like. And he seems to be kind of, power playing this behind the scenes a little bit is why it feels like this isn't moving forward but um and just another argument i guess at least until the playoff expands to 12 teams which i think is in 24 Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh it just well so basically this upcoming season it's just gonna make getting into the playoff more difficult potentially if you have one more sec game if you get a little bit less flexibility on your schedule but that's just really not important whatsoever um with kind of that small window of time before we expand the playoff and then we have no idea what the committee will value at that point. Um, you could maybe see a three-loss team get into a 12-team playoff. Well, that's what this t- TuscaloosaNews.com article says. Imagine an SEC team going 9-3 and three amid, a bu- amid a robust nine-game conference schedule plus two additional games against Power 5 programs. Those credentials should make it worthy of the college football playoff. I think the 12-team playoff is going to be one of the best things they've done in college football in a really long time. I hope that doesn't completely backfire, but I'm excited about that. Uh, let me give you one more quote from TuscaloosaNews.com. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, this is Drink. This is Coach Drinkwitz again. Quote, to be the only Power 5 conference other than the ACC playing an eight-game schedule, I don't know that that's the best look for our league, Drinkwitz said. Now, um, a little bit of... This is Blake Topmeyer coming in saying, that's a politically correct way of saying it would be a chicken poo look for the SEC to stay at eight conference games. Missouri's coach has become the voice of reason while his coaching peers shrink into the shadows. It is interesting, though, uh, that Coach Trinkwitz just has no problem, like, acting as if he is, like, the Nick Saban of the league. Like, just, like, he's like, I'll, I'll take over this thing. I don't care. I'll be outspoken about it. And uh, it doesn't matter what my my program's prestige is. I'll just, I'll just say whatever. Uh, but I agree with I'm surprised to see Tuscaloosa News just really going in on Saban a little bit. Well, they're probably going to get fired. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the argument for nine games is really pretty easy to make. Uh, like we've talked about, the teams are going to play more frequently, which I think maybe is not a good thing. Maybe is a good thing. Nah, 
I think it's a good point sure. to bring up that it is probably a good thing, but also playing less often does kind of create some novelty. It's not like uh, they're going to be playing so often that right. the novelty's not there. Sure. It's still keeping things fresh. Um, yeah, potentially less games that don't mean anything. I think that's probably like the biggest point to be made is that um, hopefully that maybe squeezes out Alabama playing an FCS team and you know the second to last week of the season just to squeeze on in, just to skirt on by because they just don't need to do that it leaves room for one fcs game though right there probably still be there probably still will be one just total cupcake that's still on the schedule but yeah it is interesting how like missouri historically had always put that fcs game early in the season right and that was kind of a jarring thing moving to the sec and seeing like alabama schedule their fcs game in like week 10 right yeah, I feel like Power 5 teams like should not even be allowed to play FCS teams. Um, it's just like, yeah. what are we even doing here? Yeah, I agree with that. So uh, they're going to vote on this at some point in the future. I don't know when it's going to be. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma do not get to vote. It's just the 14 teams that are currently in the SEC. All they need is simple majority either way. For the 8-game or the 9-game, all they got to get is, is 8 of the 14 votes to proceed with whatever they're voting for. There have been some reports not necessarily anything too uh, reputable necessarily yet, but there have been some reports coming out that uh, currently the eight-game format is leading with the teams. Uh, Missouri is one of the teams obviously fighting for the nine-game. I think Florida was maybe one of them. Yeah, the, the rumor is that Missouri, Florida, Georgia, LSU, and Texas A&M, that's five programs that are for the nine-game schedule right right now. So if that actually is true, I don't know how you would know that information. Yeah. But if that actually is true, like there's going to be some, needs to be some significant changes to get to that eight threshold that they need to be at. Yeah, those schools are going to be calling up Texas and Oklahoma like, well, if they agree with us, maybe we should try to let them vote. (laughs) (laughs) So it's craziness and it's, peak off-season stuff but it's still fun to talk about and it makes me feel like football's a ride around the corner because it kind of is yeah it is weird though like i don't understand i feel like i was reading stuff about nick saban specifically had uh come out in favor of nine game schedule like years ago and or you know when this had been in the news cycle previously he was like yeah sure play nine games like yeah good strength of schedule we'll just beat whoever we need to that seems like what the logical take would be from him and And it's like the on-brand take from him exactly seems like it would be that yeah uh maybe i I could i guess imagine that he still feels that way but there's some kind of pressure from some other higher up that there's nobody higher up the chain than nick saban i guess yeah i guess you're right (laughs) somebody in our discord brought up a good point um i mean how much longer is nick saban going to be coaching yeah, to hold up the process here. But yeah. why but is he trying it, to steer the entire future of the conference when he probably is only coaching for another few years at the most? Yeah, but it sounds like it's not only him. There's so, got to be something else going on. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I It's hard to, I mean, just to project that far into the future and like what the ramifications of it all are going to mean. I mean... We're uh, talking about brand names here. We're not talking about how... We don't know how good Texas A&M is going to be in 2028 
Yeah, you're. We're strictly going on like the our the difficulty of our schedule based on how good we think the brand of their football team is. So uh, one question that I that got brought up was getting rid of divisions. Does that hurt a program like Mizzou? And then tied into that is the twelve team playoff. I think no question about it. Expanding the playoff to 12 teams absolutely helps Mizzou's chances of making that field. Definitely. Um, Missouri football has never, in BCS era, never finished in the top four of the BCS after the conference championship game. Missouri has finished in the top 12 in the standings or in the polls after the conference championship game multiple times. So... You can look back through history and see times where Missouri would have made a 12-team playoff. Yeah. To answer your question about the divisions, though, um, I think it's a little scary. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we obviously had a really good team in 2013. I think we were maybe a little bit fraudulent in 2014, but found a way to get it done. We were still a solid team. Jordan had to lose. Yeah. I mean, we just... I think you have to make it to the next level, to make it to the championship game, SEC championship game, you just need a few less things to go right yeah. to have a special season. Like we, All you really needed for those couple of years was just Georgia to be a little bit down, Tennessee to have a bad stretch. Um, with a, one big group, you are kind of needing some more teams to have a down year and Missouri to have a special year. Yeah, so what At that At least hurts. if you're going by historical yeah. outcomes. Yeah, I'm with you there. So what that hurts is... Uh, especially with the expansion to the 12 team playoff that doesn't hurt going away from divisions doesn't hurt our chances of making a 12 team playoff right but it absolutely hurts our chances of making and winning the sec championship yes i think both those things are are true Mm. so which way would you rather have it i'd rather go to the playoff yeah so but if you go if you're uh sec championship games are really fun yeah but like 2014 we go to the SEC championship game, but you would need a 26-team playoff for us to make it that year. After losing to Alabama in the SEC championship game, we were ranked like 20th or something. Probably. So, yeah, I don't know if we get into a 12-team playoff that year. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it is interesting, but it makes me wonder. It's the same thing as when the playoff was instituted in the first place. Like, how many times are we going to have half the field be sec teams doesn't matter give me the best 12 teams yeah give me a good tournament mm-hmm. and we might still get end up at the same place we always will but at least be a, a more fun path to get there don't give me a pedestal to start talking about the 12 team playoff well that's our that's happening there's no going back from that <laughs> yeah there's no need to argue it anymore yeah um i just want to see here's what i want give me the nine game sec schedule and that's a no-brainer at this point if drink wants it i want it then give me every single year we play kansas and we just go back and forth home and home or play at arrowhead every single year give me illinois in st louis i'll give you that every year and then just to be realistic we're, we're scheduling an FCS game. That's 12 games. 
there's your schedule. And we play Arkansas when we play them. Yeah. Whenever the rotation hits. Sure. If it's nine game SEC schedule with one guaranteed uh, rival and it's Arkansas, fine. So you would rather have a, a yearly game, obviously, against Kansas and Illinois over Arkansas? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And if you wanted to outlaw um, FCS opponents, then give me Nebraska. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, even if they do keep the eight-game schedule, which I would not be in favor of, just force them to play more Power 5 non-conference games. Those games sometimes can be even more fun than conference games. Yeah. Like, maybe they don't mean as much for the, the conference standings or anything like that, but... And obviously, this Kansas State game last year was actually maybe the least fun I've ever had watching a football game. But that was pretty rough. typically, those games are are mean a lot just for the kind of the regional rivalries and recruiting and stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and and I mentioned it a bit before, but I do get jealous of Georgia playing Georgia Tech. I I get a little bit jealous of Florida playing Florida State every year. Um, Clemson and South Carolina, Michigan, Michigan State. That's always a huge game, not SEC. But yeah, I'm thinking I'm going for uh, out of oh, conference. You're right. That's out, right. Out of conference. That rivals. didn't fit, did it? That no. didn't fit the narrative. That was a, good, a valiant effort there, but well off the mark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So like, it's I get jealous because Missouri has out of conference rivals yeah. that we should have been playing every year since. But Bill Self got his feelings hurt. Exactly. And he controls college football too, somehow. Apparently. <laughs> you would think. You you know, we need to recruit Nick Saban with all of his power. Drink needs to actually buddy up to Nick Saban, carry his coffee for him a little bit more often, like he did that one time. That was nice. And get him on board with forcing Kansas to play some football. Of course, when that could actually start to happen, they're actually decent. <laughs> That's how that would yeah, go. They're actually going to beat us this time. <laughs> Yeah, give me the nine games, then give me Kansas, Illinois, and Nebraska. You might get your wish. You've got your regional recruiting. Your 12-team playoff. Ties. Yeah. Give me a a little bit flatter landscape in college football, and we're talking about college football's freaking back. Yeah. If all those things happen. Uh, Give me a salary cap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, give me a a draft where uh, losers pick first, like the NFL. Yes. Now we're talking. Give me a, Just create the NFL. Give me a, you're not allowed to go to a school outside your home state. Exactly. Boom. Just f- just literally force them to do what we want them to do. <laughs> now we're talking. Just make the recruits like us. Yes. That's what I want. All right. Well, that should all be easily accomplished. Yeah. Nick Saban, make it happen. Um, so I got a couple of years left. So like, let's let's write it out on a on yes. a positive note here. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm trying to make sure we didn't miss anything. Just exciting times all over uh, the college football landscape. I think that's basically it. We could still find out very soon what the future plans are with the schedule. It's not like they're done talking about it. Yeah. They could still vote on it this week. Seems unlikely, but they still could. So stay tuned for that. Team 9 game. I think we're done here. We missed everybody. We won't take any more weeks off for the foreseeable future. We're very sorry. We're very sorry. It's my fault. (laughs) Blame Kyle. Uh, Okay. So uh, 
Thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harsel, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks, Matthew Tilly, and Cooper Boyer. Thank you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're on Google. We're not on Google Podcast. We are on Google Podcasts, but sure. I don't say that anymore. We're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email us at MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. Rusty. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Sorry, Tristan, not quite two hours. See, uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. We said see you next week last time. That was a lie. You ever been on Google Podcasts?